Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Today, we're going to be discussing self-criticism versus self-compassion. So this episode is in response to what I've noticed consistently consistently within myself and many other people, many of my clients, so many of us live our lives continuously criticizing ourselves, and very often we don't even realize we're doing it. Uh, some people, they do realize their, their, their self-mistreatment and criticism, but we find it very difficult to be kind, understanding, compassionate towards ourself, especially when we have childhood wounds, when we have been through trauma and abuse. So in today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about First of all, why are we so critical on ourselves? What are some of the reasons why we are self-critical? Some of the pitfalls and negative effects of self-criticism. We're going to be talking about the importance and the benefits of self-compassion. We're going to be talking about the barriers, some of the barriers of self-compassion and why it's so difficult at times to be self-compassionate. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to do this, how to shift into being a more compassionate person towards ourself and developing the life skill of self-compassion. So let's begin with why we are so critical on ourselves. Uh, There are several different reasons why this is the case. Firstly, when we are treated poorly early on, when we are mistreated, when we are criticized, when we are judged, we are going to take on that mistreatment and ultimately uh, treat ourselves that very same way. So if we, if we were raised, let's say, with fear and criticism as a primary motivating factor, uh, we will take on this pattern of relating and we'll go ahead and criticize ourselves. Well, let's say we fall short of an expectation or are a disappointment towards ourselves or other people. Next reason is that it is an attempt to survive and fit in. So in essence, self-criticism has a function. It serves as a function and a very important one when it comes to survival, particularly in homes where being vulnerable, authentic, and having any form of self-expression was was dangerous. So a self-critic is a sort of an inner parent that is attempting to keep us safe, protected, and ultimately resist being abandoned uh, and ultimately giving us the highest chance of of getting accepted and ultimately getting our needs met, i.e. surviving. So when we are not accepted as we are unconditionally, our authentic selves in childhood, when there is a lack of compassion, let's say attunement to our needs, in in other words, when we are not loved unconditionally as we are, we start to uh, formulate that we are the cause, we are the reason for this. There's something that let's say we did, or let's say that we are inherently flawed or shameful, and that's the cause of, let's say, our needs not getting met. And because of this conclusion that we come to, uh, we say, okay, well, then I'm also the reason that I can I can fix this. I can sort of be the cause of the solution. Uh, there's something I can do to fix it. And then we start to believe that uh, we could, let's say, become something or do something to be seen, to be validated, to be accepted, uh, and therefore get our needs met. Now, as a result of this, subsequently, we're going to prune our sense of self. We're going to shapeshift to fit into the idea of what others want us to become. And, and sadly, that ends up, we end up rejecting parts of ourself that we think that other people are not going to accept and love. And uh, we start sort of focusing and nurturing the parts of ourself that other people do accept. 
And logically, this makes a lot of sense when it comes to survival from a perspective of survival because we need our needs to be met. Right? That's, that's not negotiable. We need love like oxygen, and our needs are heavily dependent on people outside of ourselves for survival, uh, most notably our parents. And ultimately, this is going to set up a, a pattern of people-pleasing to get our needs met, as well as rejecting parts of ourselves or criticizing or judging part of ourselves to be accepted, to not be abandoned, and to survive. The next reason we are so critical of ourselves is because we very often see compassion as being an ineffective method of motivation. So when we are focused on getting our self-worth outside of ourselves by other people's approval or seeking our needs of validation and acceptance outside of ourselves, we become very much a human doing. You know, we, we can't stop doing because in essence, because we're so dependent on other people, our survival, our survival depends on the constant service of others and then ultimately the continuous pleasing of them through our giving and our doingness uh, to get our needs met. So compassion by its very nature says, hey, relax, enjoy the present moment. Uh, your worth is inherent. It's not dependent on what you do. Uh, it really is innate in who you are. Um, because we are most usually living in fear, uh, this is specifically if we are victims of trauma and abuse, uh, we can't stop doing and, and accomplishing because our very worth is is hanging in the balance. It's dependent on that very doingness and then accomplishing, right? So without doing this, without uh, the, 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 the human doing, then we're going to be worthless. So the criticism serves as a constant motivation, which in essence is fear, uh, to never stop doing. And uh, compassion from that perspective can actually be dangerous because it threatens the survival of the ego or, or our false self or, or uh, being able to, to be validated from and get our needs met outside of ourself. The next reason is we have a strong inner critic. So like I mentioned a little bit earlier, when we are raised in a critical home, we're going to take on those negative messages, absorb them within ourself, and that is going to be a very strong, motivating voice inside of our head. And uh, this, becomes, this becomes sort of the basis of self-criticism because that inner critic sort of runs wild, runs unchecked, and uh, we live in fear of that inner critic, and then ultimately we obey. The next reason is that we are operating from ego. We are ego-identified. So the ego, by its very nature, sees its survival as dependent on being better than others. So it's in relation to other pe people, uh, survival of the fittest of sorts. So when we are in constant comparison of others, of ourselves to others, essentially what we're going to do is we're going to judge ourself, right, for not being the best or for being imperfect, or uh, in essence, we're going to live in fear of being ordinary, mediocre, and ultimately less than in, compar in comparison to other people. And the ego, which speaks the language of you versus me, cannot necessarily have compassion because compassion says we are equal, right? I don't, have to, I don't have to attach to any identity. I can let go and we're not in competition, which really is the nature of the soul. So when we are ego identified, compassion is really useless and serves no function uh, and ultimately it's dangerous to survival. Criticism and fear-based motivation allows us to, to continue the pursuit of being better than others and ultimately to assure our survival. And the final reason why we are so critical on ourselves is because this is what was normalized for us and this is what is normal. So very often we don't even see it as self-criticism. We see it as just this is who I am. This is how I treat myself. And in most instances, we're not even aware of what it would look like, sound like, feel like to have compassion and how that might enhance our lives. And if we're not aware of the issues with self-criticism and the negative side effects, we are not going to see it as an issue and therefore we're not going to be motivated to correct this habit. So now let's discuss the very nature, the destruction, destructive nature of self-criticism, of criticizing ourselves continuously, and how it could negatively impact our lives, most notably our relationships. So first of all, negative thoughts and judgments carry a low vibration 
and a very low conscious emotion. And these emotions usually include shame, guilt, fear, anger, jealousy, or resentment. So that, that motivates the criticism. That's the emotion behind the, 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 the thought. That's the emotion behind the judgment. So there's an attachment to that, to that uh, criticism. So when we engage in low conscious thought patterns, we are going to lower our state of consciousness, which, which is going to lead to feelings of unhappiness, unfulfillment, and, and usually uh, mental, mental illness. Secondly, self-criticism has an addictive element to it because it does feel good in the moment. And criticism in general, whether it's towards ourselves or other people or blaming, it gives our ego a feeling of superiority and self-righteousness, which makes us feel better in the moment. Uh, and it makes it difficult when we are operating from that stance to have humility, to accept responsibility, to learn, and to, to grow. Uh, it also has to do with feeling in control because by uh, by criticizing ourselves or other people, which is, in essence is blame, uh, you feel in control. And uh, ultimately, by being able to blame ourselves, even if it wasn't our fault, we can then say, "Oh, okay, well, it's it's all up to me. It's all in my control." Uh, however, this inhibits our ability to to really let go, of have compassion, right, and feel that joy and fulfillment and happiness that comes from growing towards our full potential. Because in essence, we are not allowing ourselves be to be human and to grow. We're kind of trapped and inhibiting our growth by being extremely critical. So we're sort of cutting off that growth process by being uh, critical. We're diminishing ourself. Furthermore, self-criticism denies and rejects the very humanness within. We are human beings, right? We're flawed, we're inconsistent, we are subject to mistake and error. Uh, this is the very nature of being human. We are not perfect, right? So when we judge and reject our mistakes and the humanness within, when we obsess, let's say, over perfection, uh, when we lose, essentially we're going to lose out on the joy and the peace that comes from allowing ourselves to be human, to be messy, to be flawed, and, and free to, to make mistakes and ultimately grow and learn from those mistakes. And we miss out on the freedom of just going with the flow and uh, sort of practicing the art of being a human being. Next, self-criticism disconnects us from parts of ourself that we feel ashamed of and that we feel are less than. So this inner state of fragmentation or disconnect from those parts of ourselves, it's gonna to lead to, to, to chaos and a lack of inner peace. In essence, we've made an enemy out of those parts of ourselves, and then we're battling those parts or we're defending against them as if they're an enemy that needs to be fought. And because the relationship with ourselves sets the tone for the relationships with others, this inner state of chaos, if we're not at peace with ourselves, it's gonna to lead to relationships that are chaotic outside. Uh, in essence, we're gonna have unhealthy and dysfunctional toxic relationships. And then to conclude, the negative side effects of criticism, it's gonna hold ourselves back from healing and from wholeness. So when we criticize ourselves, we're creating a hostile inner world, uh, which really doesn't lay the groundwork for a foundation to build a healthy sense of self. It also creates fear, and uh, fear is gonna create a barrier for the inner child who resists being in a fearful state or a fearful environment, uh, it's hiding in essence, uh, and it's definitely not gonna wanna be vulnerable with you. It's gonna resist the process of integration of present moment awareness, and it's definitely not gonna to come to you as the adult in that child's life to get their needs met because you are criticizing any form of vulnerability. So when we are critical, we are in essence unsafe to a child, and the inner child will not trust us to meet their unmet needs of childhood, and in essence we have that responsibility to be the parent to that child self, and by by resisting this, this integration and this connection with our child self, we're going to be delaying and inhibiting our healing process, which ultimately self-compassion is a necessary founda foundation if we are going to heal. Let's continue with the importance and the benefits of self-compassion. Self-compassion might sound airy-fairy, it might sound extra, but it is very fundamental. It is a life skill and it's a very powerful one and can really protect you from negativity, from narcissists, uh, but ultimately it is a very, very powerful healing element to it. So to begin, self-compassion is 
arguably the most important life skill in the healing journey. Uh, to have compassion for yourself is to practice loving yourself. That's the art of self-love. And to love yourself is to heal. So let's discuss some, some of those uh, benefits, uh, specifically the healing benefits on the healing journey. Firstly, self-compassion is a commitment to treat yourself like your best friend. When we treat ourselves with compassion like we are, like you would treat a best friend, uh, we become happy, we, become, we feel safe in our bodies, we feel content. Now the opposite is true when we treat ourselves like our worst enemy. So when we befriend ourselves, which is hard to do, especially when we don't feel good about ourselves, let's say we suffer from shame and guilt, but when we make that choice to, let's say, speak compassionately and kindly to ourselves, about ourselves, see ourselves in a positive light, forgive ourselves, let's say, for past mistakes, and do things that benefit us, uh, essentially, as we would a good friend, our best friend, right? When we do this, we create an inner world that is peaceful and happy and, and whole, as opposed to, let's say, combated, fragmented, and, and fearful. Now, because all relationships, like I mentioned, stem from the relationship we have already with ourselves, uh, they are in essence a reflection, uh, maybe an extension of this main relationship. When we do treat ourselves well and with compassion, we, gives ourselves, we give ourselves a better chance of attracting healthier and compassionate, self-loving relationships. And a happy, healthy life is one where we have happy and healthy, fulfilling relationships. So when we do correct that inner, inner relationship, we can have healthy relationships which uplifts our life in all, in all ways. Furthermore, compassion allows us to forgive ourselves for past mistakes. This is such a huge one. Uh, and this is vital when it comes to healing because let's say we're not forgiving ourselves. What we're doing is we're staying stuck and we truly can't move on. Forgiveness of ourselves, you know, it's difficult to forgive your abuser, and that's understandable. And I don't necessarily believe you have to forgive your abuser, but you must forgive yourself. And what this is, it's saying that we did the best we could at that time. And with the skills we had and with the awareness we had, it gives sort of a context to our mistakes and you can see the broader picture and sort of, therefore we can see the outside elements that led to our decisions. When we are self-critical, uh, on the other hand, when we immediately jump to a judgment of some kind, a judgment that sounds like, you know, we were at fault or we're to blame or we're unworthy or we're shameful, these messages aren't clarity. They don't clarify anything. They are self-incriminating and ultimately they are lies. They are mistruths. So compassion allows us to open ourselves up to, like I said, a larger context, sort of broaden our consciousness and see the context that, it, that our experience happened in. And it really allows us to open ourselves up to the question of why, which when we ask the question why, we're not judging, we're simply compassionately curious. And that adds to that curiosity so we can then learn and become aware with clarity of the truth of, of our actions, of our mistakes. And when we do this, we can let go of that experience of something we have to hold on to as a sort of a, a self-punishing mechanism. And ultimately, we see it as us being human. And ultimately, we can make peace with it because we see the trauma or the mistake or the experience where we were helpless or where we suffered as just a lesson that came to teach us so that we can grow uh, as opposed to, let's say, an experience that then allows us to, to play the victim. In addition, with self-compassion and forgiveness, we can let ourselves off the hook for not being perfect, and then we can tap into the unconditional love of our own spirit, and that is a healing energy. So criticism is going to inhibit this flow of life force energy, energy, while compassion allows it to flow. So when we allow ourselves to be human and we accept ourselves as we are, and then we allow ourselves unconditionally to allow that energy to flow through us, uh, this healing energy, ultimately it is going to heal our lives, it's going to heal our wounds. Next, self-compassion shifts our perspective on how we view our past and our weaknesses. Suddenly, we these experiences that, that we feel ashamed of or that we feel weak, uh, they become strengths. They sort of 
tra uh, transmuted, they shift into a, 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 a from a perspective of weakness to strength. And instead of, let's say, being parts of ourself that we want to hide or deny because of uh, we feel ashamed of them, they become something that we can be proud of as they are indications of the fact that we are human beings and how truly fragile we are. Uh, and they become something of an honor, and we celebrate those experiences because ultimately they came and they taught us something which allowed us to grow as opposed to things that are, are need to be denied in shame. And when we do this, we, we slowly start to accept parts of ourself for who we are, and uh, we start to love our humanity, and we start to realize that we are worthy of love regardless of what has happened to us and what we have, what we have done. Next, we are going to be more at peace, and therefore we're going to be much more enjoyable to be around. People who are compassionate, who are uh, see the benefit of the doubt, give the benefit of the doubt, and see difficulties or negativities through the eyes of compassion are enjoyable. They radiate love, they radiate a sense of peace, and because of that, our relationships are going to improve because we are easier going and we're more in the flow, and people are attracted to and enjoy being around people who are in the flow. And in essence, we let people be themselves without judging them or feeling the need to, to, to judge them. And we allow ourselves to just be happy in the moment without it needing to be something else, without judging the present moment. And, and in essence, we're going to have a calmer inner world. And like I mentioned, that's going to be much more attractive to people. And that's going to be a primary state that we want to be in, that inner peaceful state, that self-loving, compassionate state is, is certainly a foundation if we are going to build our healthiest, happiest, and best life. The next benefit is our self-image is going to improve and we're going to see ourselves accurately. So when we are judging, when we are critical, in essence, we are hyper-focusing and blowing up the negative sides of ourselves, the parts we don't love, and seeing that as who we are. Self-compassion says, in essence, I see the parts of myself that are hurt, but I also realize that's not who I am. I am a whole being that includes both the negative and the positive, and that allows us to see ourselves more accurately. And when you see yourself with clarity, ultimately you can see that you are, in fact, love and lovable as you are. Now, if all that truly exists is love, right? All that really exists is love and really only negativity and let's say evil or is really just darkness. Uh, love is light. And then when you shine the light, the darkness dissipates. So all that truly exists is, 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 is light, is love, and uh, darkness is, let's say, the, the uh, inhibition of that light. So when we see ourselves and others through the lens of compassion, we can see that very love, that light, and, and then we have awareness of what's actually what actually everything is, which is love. So when we are judging or critical of ourselves, let's say our body, our self-image, we're, we're focused on those perceived negativities, like I mentioned, and it is, it's usually through a lens of shame and guilt and fear. It's a distorted self-image. So you're not seeing yourself and you're not seeing people accurately when you're coming from criticism. We are not seeing the love that is, that is the truth, that is what we are. So when we see ourselves through the lens of compassion, we can see that we are love, we were created in the image of God, we are perfect as we are, and therefore there is no place for judgment. In essence, we are perfect, we are beautiful and lovable as we are. So now let's talk about the barriers of self-compassion. Compassion is a natural state of being. Children are naturally gonna be compassionate. So ultimately we must have learned somewhere along the way that we can't be compassionate, we can't be vulnerable, we can't love ourselves. it's not safe to do so. So in essence, all we really need to do is remove those barriers and then the natural state of being of being compassionate will flow through. So some of the barriers of self-compassion include not necessarily knowing how to be compassionate, uh, lacking this as a life skill. Uh, when we don't have it mirrored for us, we really have no way of learning it. So in essence, lack of awareness of this life skill is usually a, a big barrier to, to having self-compassion. The next is not paying attention to how we're treating ourselves or not noticing our self-talk. 
Uh, so many of the things we say to ourselves go unchecked, and many of the things we say to ourselves we wouldn't say to our worst enemy. So if we do not know how we treat ourselves, then you can't necessarily interrupt that conversation or uh, begin to learn about a better way, a different way. Uh, to treat ourselves better with compassion. So the first step is noticing how we treat ourselves and ultimately noticing how we criticize and judge ourselves. Next barrier is seeing criticisms and fear as the only way to motivate yourself, seeing compassion as being lazy. So I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but if we are human doings and we, we equate doing more and having more as necessary for survival and then doing less, which usually happens when we are human beings, right, which is less about the doing and more about the being, that takes compassion. It's going to yield, technically, it's going to yield less results and then it's going to feel like you're wasting time or you're being lazy or you're not going to survive because you're not putting enough, enough effort in. So that's another big barrier. The next barrier is feeling unworthy or undeserving of compassion. A uh, feeling of unworthy or less than is a huge barrier. Uh, unless we believe we deserve something, then we're not going to be able to attain it. When it comes, we'll sabotage it, we'll push it away. We don't believe it applies to us. We don't believe, we can't accept it in essence. So unless we believe that we deserve love and compassion, we're going to push it away, we're going to deny it, we're going to judge it, reject it, uh, we're not going to accept it. So in essence, like I mentioned, we need to feel worthy of something to accept it. And unless we feel that, that this compassion applies to us because we're already treating ourselves with compassion, uh, it's going to feel awkward. We're going to usually push it away. Uh, and, and anyone who tries to show us compassion, it's going to feel gross. It's going to feel like lame. And ultimately, it's going to feel disingenuine because we only know how to take criticisms. So that's another, another barrier there. The next is feeling shameful and guilty for causing one's self or causing other people pain. So in essence, blaming yourself for what happened. In other words, difficulty forgiving yourself and letting go of the narrative of being the cause and being wrong or being to blame. And this is very similar to the, to the previous one. If we feel undeserving because let's say we feel we did something wrong and we need to be punished, so we're gonna sort of self-incriminate and therefore we're not worthy of love and compassion, it's gonna be very difficult to accept any compassion from ourselves and other people. And ultimately, like we mentioned, we need to self-love and have self-compassion to heal. So this becomes a massive barrier uh, to, to healing as well. And the final one is, we see our own issues, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our mistakes, and it's very hard to let go of that negative image of ourself. We become self-incriminating because we are the ones who see our mistakes, and therefore it's hard to look past them. Uh, it's hard to see that, in essence, especially if we are paying the price for our past mistakes. So let's say our, our life fell apart and we realized we made a lot of mistakes. It's very hard to not blame ourselves because we made the decisions that led to the breakdown. So compassion becomes very difficult for ourselves, especially if we have a very good reason to blame ourselves. So finally, let's talk about how we can shift into being more compassionate, more self-loving towards ourselves, and developing this life skill of self-compassion. Now, it's important to remember that compassion is your nature. It is who you are. Like I mentioned, it is the nature of our authentic selves, of our soul. You know, children are naturally loving. They love themselves. They're compassionate. So when we identify with our true nature, with our soul, which is, like I mentioned, our primary identity, this, as opposed to identifying with the ego, becomes easier to be more compassionate with ourselves and allow that nature to shine through. So this is just a matter of shifting from ego identity to, to soul, to authentic self-identity or present moment awareness, uh, present moment identity. The next step is we, we have to pay attention to how we treat ourselves, and we definitely want to tap into that inner critic. And we want to understand that our inner critic is not the enemy and something to be fought or denied. Usually it's our inner child trying to communicate to us through our inner critic because it has unmet needs. So when we see a hurt inside of ourselves, instead of denying or defending or soothing, we lean into it and we, with compassion, we ask the question, why? Why are you in pain? What is it that you need? We observe it, we become aware, we hold space for it, and ultimately the intention is to be present 
and meet the need. That is how we sort of dial down this critic, which for many of us is rampant for those who have unmet needs because we're our inner child's trying to attack us so we meet those needs. So in essence, when we lean into the critic, we pay attention and we see it as just a hurt child, suddenly we become much more aware and then compassionate with the intention, like I mentioned, to truly meet the need of this inner child. Finally, we want to turn the compassion that we have towards other people that we give away so easily, even to, let's say, our worst enemy uh, on ourselves. You know, so often, especially codependents, they treat everyone else in the world well, and then they treat themselves like an afterthought. They self-neglect, they criticize, they shame themselves. And if we can look at other people and realize that they're worthy of love, regardless of their mistakes and their shortcomings, then if we can find a way to turn that on ourselves and see ourselves as lo lovable, regardless of what we've gone through, see ourselves through the eyes of compassion, uh, suddenly that can really help us shift. And very quickly, in fact, because all of a sudden we are treating ourselves differently. We're forgiving ourselves for past mistakes. We're realizing that it's not a punishment that we went through, what we went through, but ultimately experiences that we learn from. We can sort of set ourselves free from being stuck in the past. We also set ourselves free from being people pleasers or trying to get other people to like us or treat us well because we are treating ourselves well. So to conclude, you know, compassion really allows us to see the humanity within ourselves and other people. Uh, it's able to sort of see below the surface into the deep innocence that we all share in that we are all love. And we can see when we are looking through the lens of perspective of, of compassion that we are not our mistakes. That's not who we are. We're not the person who's acting out, who's defensive, who's who's traumatized. Uh, we, we are the person below that. We are the person who is unconditionally uh, deserving of love. And we can forgive ourselves and others because we know that who we are is not this this pain or the dysfunctional coping mechanism or even the narcissistic tendencies. Uh, the compassion sort of allows us to see that innocence, that innocent child within that is always deserving of love and compassion. And the way I see it is there really is no benefit to judgment and criticism. So many of us feel like it actually has a function. I, I disagree. I, I don't think that judgments or criticism, it really doesn't have any yielding results. And maybe you'll accomplish more, but you'll never feel more fulfilled because you'll never necessarily be at peace with your accomplishments. Uh, really what it is, it, it is coming from ego and it really is a defense mechanism that is trying to help us survive. But in reality, when we're trying to thrive and we're trying to heal, then criticism just, just serves no productive function. Now, we all know how abusive narcissistic abusers can be towards other people, but it's important to understand that narcissistic abusers are actually treating themselves cruelly, and the way they treat other people is just a reflection of how they treat themselves. And in essence, the difference between, let's say, a codependent or a narcissistic abuser from that perspective is that the narcissistic abuser is not taking responsibility for their self-mistreatment, and then ultimately they're playing the victim, and then hurting other people. Obviously, there's no self-love and there is no self-compassion. And as a result, what they do is they destroy other people in a similar way that they're already destroying themselves. And in many ways, abuse victims who have this critic are not, are abusing themselves. We're engaging in self-abuse. And yes, the difference is obviously we're not hurting other people, but in some ways we share that commonality because we're not being compassionate to ourselves. We are, uh, we're self-destructing in a sense, we're self-avoiding, which ultimately oftentimes leads us to, to unknowingly uh, hurt other people. So when we do have compassion for ourselves, then we can extend that towards other people. You really cannot have compassion for other people. And if you are having compassionate, compassion for other people before you have compassion uh, for yourself, oftentimes it's usually to get something and it's not truly from a place of sharing yourself or sharing love. Uh, the, a true compassion for other people begins with realizing that you are just as worthy and deserving, if not more, than the compassion that we so easily and freely give away to other people. One of the lessons that narcissistic abuse 
comes to teach us is self-love and self-compassion. If we do not love ourselves, we will always get a reflection in the mirror in the form of a relationship, usually intimate relationship, that shows up in a way that shows us, in essence, ways in which we are not loving ourselves or being compassionate for ourselves. So it really all begins with that self-compassion, that self-love, which is really one of the most effective ways of loving yourself is to show compassion for the human being who, that you are that is innocent and doing the best they can with the uh, life skills that they have. So I want to complete this episode with sort of a prompt as you go about your day. Notice how you treat other people and notice how you maybe treat them in your head. Maybe you don't say the things you want to say, but notice the criticisms and the judgments you have towards other people and see if you can uh, identify how you might be treating yourself that way. Because usually we project that critic outward. That's sort of what we do when we're criticizing other people. We're actually just criticizing ourselves uh, through other people. So if you can see that in other people and see the way you judge other people, it'll give you some insights and awareness on ways in which you are in fact self-critical and it is very hard to see yourself. So this sort of gives you an, a, an idea of how you can see yourself almost outside of yourself. And then if you can imagine treating yourself that way uh, and be become more aware of how compassion is a necessary tool at that point, then you can start to take steps with that awareness to then correct it and continuously add self-compassion. So I hope that this podcast episode, which is quite lengthy, a lot to say here on self-compassion, it's such an important element, it's such an important topic because of how powerful this skill is and how often we find ourselves unchecked, just criticizing ourselves, you know, shitting all over ourselves and really not being there for ourselves the way we need to. In essence, if we are our own healers, if we're going to be there for ourselves in a way that heals us, then self-criticism is certainly not going to be the way that gets done. It, it happens through self-compassion, self-forgiveness, and realizing that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done at this point, in this moment forward, you are a powerful healer and you have the ability to change the narrative and ultimately heal yourself by being self-compassionate. So thank you all very much for joining me for today's episode. Until next time, all the best. <laughs>